the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And regret The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Holy Spirit calls us with that still small voice. He calls us closer. He calls us deeper. If we don't catch that call and we go about our busy days, we will miss what God has for us. If we're caught up in our own thinking, our own way of acting, our own schedule and we're not listening to that still small voice we will miss it we will miss him and we will not be called deeper and our prayers will not be answered I've been sharing with you sanctification again sanctification is where all the underbrush is cleared away where those old tendencies towards sin can be cleaned up. This comes after conversion where we are brought into Jesus Christ. We're no longer walking in any known rebellion against him. We're walking clean by the power of his blood. But we know there's more, and we don't want to spend the rest of our time and energy fighting against this old nature this bondage that we've created, these tendencies that we have created in our hearts. We don't want to spend the rest of our lives struggling with these. 
sense did we want to serve Jesus in his fullness? And that means receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It means being completely sanctified. Now, conversion is not a progressive work. It is an instantaneous work. As we come and we confess, we repent of our sins, and we are cleansed by the blood, and it's finished. We are done. We are brought into Jesus Christ. It's not a process of works. It's not white-knuckling day after day, struggling, struggling, struggling. No, our eyes have to be on Jesus. We turn aside from our sin. It no longer holds interest to us. Our interest is now captured by Jesus, and our eyes are upon him. Then the question comes, how am I to be sanctified? In the same way I was converted. A sovereign work of God, as he comes to me, and he breaks every power of the inward tendency toward darkness. The inward temptations are removed, not the outward temptations. The devil will always have access to come and tempt us. He came to Adam and Eve when they were perfect from the hand of God with no sin, but they were tempted and they fell. Likewise, a man or woman of God who has been converted is still going to be tempted to go sin against the Almighty God. But not by inward temptation. It will be from outward temptation. When a man or woman is fully sanctified in Jesus Christ, to sanctified, to be sanctified literally means to be made holy. So we're going to talk today about how to have our prayers answered. In a very practical, down-to-earth way, we want to talk about, okay, we've been converted. Now, how are we to be sanctified or made holy by grace, by the power of Jesus' blood? What are the practical aspects of being made holy? You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I pray today that as you listen to this broadcast, your eyes will be opened and your ears will hear, and it will open for you the wonderful avenue that God would give you to have your prayers answered. Almighty God, as we come on this broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress, I pray that your spirit will move quickly in the heart of every person listening, for you know the cry of their hearts. You know what you are trying to accomplish in them if they would just get out of the way and let you have the right and the power to move them into sanctification and into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I praise and worship your name. Amen. 
Through the years, a passage of Scripture has been my go-to place to have the physical realm transformed by the power of the Spirit to see change, to see deliverance, whether it be financial deliverance, as it was this week with the $1,400 toward this month's radio broadcast. And praise God, he heard us, he answered our prayer, he moved in your hearts, and I thank each one of you who participated in that giving of offerings that the work of God could go forward. But all of that came for me out of the book of Mark, the 11th chapter. The needs that I have personally for rent, for food, for shelter, in relationship, it all comes out of the promise made in Mark, the 11th chapter, Let me read it for you, and then we're going to walk through it very, very thoughtfully and very carefully. Jesus said, this is Mark 11, verse 22, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you for your sins. Your prayers cannot be answered if you are not forgiven for your sins. So I'm speaking to you now about how to move in the physical realm and see your prayers answered in concrete terms. And that requires forgiving those who have sinned against you. It means not holding grudges, not judging. It means walking clean in Jesus. I want to share with you some thoughts from a man by the name of George Watson. He has a Christian classic book called Love Abounding. In this book, he talks very practically about how to have that prayer answered. I so enjoyed reading this that I want to share it with you. Mark eleven twenty four is specifically the passage of Scripture that he will be dealing with. You will perceive at once that this applies equally to the penitent seeking pardon and the believer seeking a clean heart and may also be used by people seeking healing or the salvation of friends and family. The word things is in the plural and may therefore include all the urgent needs of a human soul. What things ye desire, believe, and ye shall have. Now, just a quick side note. Always we must understand that when the Bible speaks about you may have the desire of your heart, first and foremost, Jesus must be the desire of our heart. 
and His will must be the great desire of our heart. So this promise will not work if you go outside of the will of God and you establish your own will and your own desires. This is not a magic potion. This is not a way to manipulate the spiritual realm to force it through affirmations to give you what you desire. This is dealing face to face with the living God of heaven. That's what we need. He continues, Brethren, of all hindrances in the way of our getting saved, the most common is the persistency with which we reverse the divine order. We are the blindest of all beings in the universe. We are ignorant and helpless. The human mind has been reversed. When God saves your soul, he has to turn your mind around and turn your thoughts around and turn your heart around and reverse your whole order of being. God's order is first to repent, then to believe. It is first justification, that is, to be made holy, and then regeneration, that is, to be restored, and then the knowledge of it. It takes some of us a long time, for we weep and pray and strive to reverse the order. The very first thing some people want before they've shed a tear is the witness of God's Spirit, and that is the last thing they get. When they get the Spirit, they think they will then believe. And when they believe, they will repent. If you could be among the angels and see the absolute awkwardness with which a human soul tumbles around in the dark, what a revelation it would be to some of you. It is strange that a believer seeking a clean heart is just as awkward about it as any sinner seeking pardon. But he is. Notice how they first begin. You find people as cold as the North Pole getting down to pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why, they're a thousand miles away from such an experience as that. There are a great many things to be done in their hearts before they can receive the Holy Spirit. In seeking this baptism, the first thing is to apprehend God's will to bestow it. The next is faith. The next is a clean heart. And the next is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to give you that order once again. The first thing you must understand is that God wants to bless you with the power and the presence of Pentecost. The next step is faith, to believe that God wants to give you this gift of sanctification and of holiness and of the baptism of the Spirit. The next is a clean heart. And finally comes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But people want the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they have a clean heart. And they want a clean heart before they die out to self. 
John Wesley says, The same truth which applies to a person seeking justification applies to a person seeking sanctification on a higher plane. The blunders we make in seeking sanctification are the very same blunders we made as sinners when seeking justification. Our text tells us how to get our prayers answered. What things ye desire, believe ye receive them, and ye shall have them. This is God's order for every seeker. Don't expect to be converted till you repent and believe. Don't insist on getting the witness of the Spirit till you have done the others. Don't pray for the baptism, but begin at the other end. Now, there are three words I want to explain. Things, pray, and believe. The word thing and the word think are the same in the Anglo-Saxon. A thing is whatever you can think. Whatever your mind can grasp is a thing. It is a think. Whatever your thoughts apprehend is something that you think. It is a perception. You are driving at a definite point, John Fletcher says of the mistake of his time. The reason why believers in England do not receive the blessing of perfect love is that they do not aim at it. In order to hit anything, you must have a mark. That's the way our fathers put the truth. My friend, in order to get your prayers answered, the first great essential is that you get a definite thought in your mind. Unless you can think of what you want, unless there is a definite point to aim at, your prayer will be rambling and you can't tell whether you've made any advance or not. Jesus said to the blind man, What shall I do for you? This forced him to hit the nail on the head and to tell his exact need with his own tongue. Lord, that I may receive my sight. That was not a rambling prayer running all around creation with a home in heaven at last. People wonder why their experience is like an Indian summer day, smoky, so mixed. Well, your prayers are hazy. If you have a distinct aim and a distinct thought, you will have a definite experience. Jesus never answered a rambling prayer. The woman said, My daughter is possessed of a devil. Mary and Martha said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. The leper prayed, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You can't find any samples of these rambling prayers which so many people offer up when they want salvation. When you get down, right, earnest, and you begin to pray, O Lord, if I don't have salvation, I shall go right down to hell. Then you hit the nail on the head, and every time, and you can believe when you pray. But when you ask for a deeper work of grace, for more and more, you don't know what you're driving at. 
and you don't get the prayer answered very often, if ever. I hear, pre I hear people pray, Lord, give me patience. I need more patience. And their prayer is never answered. God cannot give you more patience. It's an issue of you repenting of your impatience in a specific situation and saying, Lord, I repent of being impatient with my brother, with my wife, with my son, with my daughter, with my husband. I repent of my impatience with my wife. Lord, would you take this impatience out of my heart Will you make me a patient man in this situation? Now God can answer that prayer. And you'll know very well whether or not he has answered. See, we're not generalists. We are specific in our prayers. A lady had been seeking the Lord for three weeks, but this afternoon she said, Lord, I must have a clean heart. I said, thank God you will soon get it. And a few minutes later, God answered her prayer. She arose and testified to having received a clean heart. Her sin was gone. She was made pure. If you had a carpenter who hammered away and only hit the nail once every 20 times, you would fire him. You'll never get a clean heart till you change your prayers you must form a definite conception of your need. It must be plain to you. What things soever ye desire, Jesus said you must have something in your mind, something you can think. I prayed for years and years for a deeper work of grace and got hungry, but I did not then seek a clean heart. Be definite, definite. Some of you have had the desire to get rid of the inward sin of the natural heart. You've prayed, O oh Lord, give me more patience. Now that word more cannot be bonded. There's no limit to it. It is not in the positive or superlative degree. It is in the middle ground where it can swing back and forth. The mind does not grasp a definite experience when you pray for more or deeper. The word deeper never touches the bottom. You never will get your prayer answered until you strike the bottom and ask for the deepest. If you pray for a higher life, who knows how high you want to go? How high? There's a vagueness in such a prayer. But when you ask God to give you complete salvation, that's plain. If you get the highest life that touches heaven, that's definite and clear. Don't you see how you and I have hindered someone? I never did get out till I brought my prayer down to a specific concrete point and concentrated all of my artillery at that place and let loose the contents of my panting, hungry soul and all my focused brain and heart and mind and soul on a single mathematical Point, and then I tell you, the fire of God came down. You take the sunshine this Indian summer day and concentrate it with a, with a glass and you can burn your house down with it. 
These scattered prayers never burn up your old sinful nature. Lord, teach us how to pray. When you concentrate all on one point, God Almighty will send lightning through your soul and set you on fire. Now pick out your need and pray for it. Do you need pardon? Then pick it out and pray for pardon. Here's a sinner who steals seven times a week. Shall he pray to be made better? A conversion doesn't make men merely better. It makes them new men. You take any sinner, whether outrageous or decent, and he will be about ready for that prayer and make me better. But when a sinner gets converted, it means to tear down the old things and give him a brand new heart and make him a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you pray definitely for conversion or for a pure heart, you will be answered. Desire, when you pray, the fever of the prayer depends on the intensity of the desire that is the keystone of the arch. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, unuttered or unexpressed. The prayer is the utterance of the desire. I would like to explain the nature of prayer. When you first pray, you begin perhaps faintly, but you have a desire which the Holy Spirit has put in your heart for a certain a certain thing. Now, when that desire is kindled in your heart, if you keep your mouth shut and your mind shut and never move or stir, that desire will smolder for perhaps 24 hours or less and it will die out altogether and you will not be able to find it again. But now, here is the philosophy of prayer. If you begin to utter that desire and open your mouth in prayer and then use your feet and go to the altar, if you begin to let loose and allow the desire to get clear and expression, if you will begin to ventilate that desire, it will grow on you and grow on you till it becomes a consuming desire and cries. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob said. When you bring two bodies together in space, each attracts the other, and as they approach, the attraction marvelously increases by action and reaction, and they move faster and faster. You can take a penny. By doubling it only 27 times, you will be a millionaire. That's the way God works through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. You have a desire, you utter it, and it doubles. You utter that, it doubles again. And before long, you get what you will not let go of, and then you get converted or sanctified. A sinner's prayers. He prays, and he prays, and he says, I can't sleep. That is the place of blessing. Do you know you can pray a prayer a thousand times bigger than you are? And when you pray a prayer that is inspired by the Holy Spirit that is larger than you are, and when you pray such a prayer, 
it is always answered. Go back with this illustration and see how it was Elijah praying for rain. Or Abraham said, I've got the answer. He didn't care anything about 400 years. He laid down the rest in the cave with God's answer in his heart. Now, when you get where you are seek anything with all of your heart, God says, that will do. A Swedish girl came to this country, tramped around seeking employment for a long time while her old mother was praying for her at home. And the very day and hour that she obtained a situation, her mother in Sweden received the answer in her heart and knew that she was provided for. When you pray a perfect prayer, you will get the answer. Elijah got it. Paul got it. You've had it, and I've had it. We begin with one-tenth of the heart, and after a time we put in eight-tenths and nine-tenths until finally it is ten-tenths, and the answer comes. Not long ago, a sister began to pray, and she prayed for the church for a revival. I knew she needed a blessing herself. And then she prayed for me and for the town. And I said, she's, she's scattering shot badly. But after a time, the Lord touched her heart. And she broke down and she cried, Lord, bless me. Give me a clean heart. Baptize me, Jesus. And I thought, now she's come home. And the next day the answer came. And light from heaven flashed upon her. When you light a stove, there's a little blaze. If you shut the draft off, it will soon die. You must open the draft. When people only pray feeble prayers, if they will turn on the draft and keep their minds open and their mouths open, after a time their hearts will be hot with a desire and the answer will then come. This is what Christ meant when he said, Desires. A wish, like Aaron's rod, swallowed up all other desires. Receive, the new version says. Believe you have received. The American revivers did not agree with that change. As you can see from their notes, I'll begin how it found favor in England. In England, there's a large element in the church everywhere that believes in imputed holiness. People who hold that you were all converted and sanctified in Christ 1,800 years ago, you are simply to believe this and Christ will cover you all with his personal robe. And that nonsense spreads all around. Now, don't you see that believe you have received contains a distinct trace of that doctrine? But thank God, it is an incorrect translation. For the Greek word receive is a present aorist tense and always means instantaneous. Believe that ye do it at this instant receive. That is the exact meaning of this passage of Scripture. Believe that ye do it at this instant receive. 
Not that you had it yesterday without knowing it. Not that you're going to get it in the future. But right while you are panting and yearning and praying, not that he did forgive, for that would be untrue. Not that he will forgive, for that would not be practical. The Bible teaches a present, instantaneous salvation everywhere. Believe now, and it is done now. While you pray, just throw your hands up like a man shot in a battle and say, Lord, I believe you do forgive me now. I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me now from all sin. Singular number. Your sins were all taken away in conversion, but sin is singular. He cleanseth not did cleanse or shall cleanse. But I don't think I'm saved, you say. I would rather trust an ounce of faith than a ton of thinking. It's not think or feel, but believe. You cannot depend on feelings. There was a lady in the church who got a wonderful happy and said, I feel I have a blessing. But when the emotion was gone, She was left all in the dark. I said, the next time you will get the blessing on naked faith, and then you will keep it. Two weeks, she was up and said, witness or no witness in my heart, I am the Lord's. And she stood like a rock as long as I knew her. So brother, sister, Make up your mind. Pick out what you want and seek it and seek it with your whole heart. Claim it and stay there. Live day by day, hour by hour. He cleanseth. He cleanseth. And by the way, in the Greek, that word to cleanse is a continuous action. It's not punctiliar. It doesn't happen at 1.37 today and tomorrow at 2 o'clock. It hasn't happened. No, when Jesus comes and he cleanses you, he continues that cleansing, continuous cleansing, continually holding you in his hand. You are whole. You are made whole. You are his. He dwells in you. He doesn't wash you, and then leave you to go out to the mud and play in the dirt again. But every moment he is cleansing. It is a continuous action on your behalf. So you live day by day, hour by hour. He cleanseth. If you want to live free from all anxiety and all worry and all fret, act on these simple words of Jesus. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. I've been sharing some thoughts today from George D. Watson in his Christian classic book, Love Abounding. Out of this passage of Scripture, let me read it for you again. 
Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I want you to notice it says, it will be done for him. It does not say, you will do it. It says, God will do it. That God will step into your life and he will bring to pass what you have asked of him. Therefore, I tell you, verse 24, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, that raises the question, what is it you desire in your heart? And frankly, some of you have given up. You're caught in a job that you hate. You don't like what you have to do day by day. There's a high level of misery for you. Have you stopped and asked the Lord, Lord, would you give me a new assignment? Will you give me a new work assignment? I believe that you will now give me that new assignment. And now, as that grows in your heart, and you seek the Lord with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and you pray for that new work assignment, you pray for that deliverance, you pray for that newness to come now into your life, and you stand with a clear thought in your mind, Jesus is now doing it. He is working out the circumstances of my life. He is now bringing to me what he desires me to have. And I'm going to stand by faith. It is done. Now remember I've said, don't try to gain your own desires, but rather pray through and make certain this is God's desire for you. And as that grows in your heart, you will become more and more clear. And you will say, Lord, this is what I know you are asking me to pray. And I'm coming in agreement with you. And I am asking now for that new position. I'm asking now for that financial deliverance. The old timers called this a prayer of faith. But if your heart is still wicked before God, if you are walking in known sin and rebellion, then you will not find the answer to your prayer. And if you say, then God just does not answer prayer, you are being very foolish. God does answer prayer, but we have to meet his conditions. And the condition of God answering your prayer is that sin must be put away out of your heart. You must turn to the living God. 
and you must humble your heart. You must obey him. And so as I shared at the beginning of this reading today by George Watson, we have to get the order right. There comes first that desire. There comes repentance. There comes believing. And there comes the answer. Now, I'm right in the midst of this right now. I know that I cannot continue a fruitful ministry without the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so I am standing constantly, bowing, laying on the floor, crying out to God in belief on His promises that He would send the Holy Spirit to them who ask. I am asking now, at this instant, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I will not turn aside from that until the actual experience of my life is the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not looking for some feel-good, false understanding of the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking that I could go to a pastor and he'd lay hands on me, give me a little push, and I'd fall down. I'm not interested in games. I'm interested in the full power of the Holy Spirit that brings revival to God's people. And so I'm saying, Lord, I need revival now. I, Ray Greenlee, need revival right now. And I'm standing by faith as I pray this prayer in Mark the 11th chapter. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Remember, he said that's a poor translation. Remember, he said the word received is present tense. I am receiving now the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to cry that prayer, and I'm going to pray that prayer, until the actual experience of my life is the fullness of the anointing of Pentecost. I'm not going to turn aside from this. I'm going to cry aloud to God. I've done this on many things in my life, and he has answered superbly. Now I know the cry of his heart is for revival in the church. In your church, in every church. And I know I have no ability to speak to that until I've been fully revived. Until I've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now there have been times in the past where I have pressed hard on this issue. But I gave up too soon. And frankly, part of why I gave up is that I received phone calls and friends and everyone said to me, Ray, just walk in the anointing you have and be content with that. I called a nationally known pastor, a leader in the movement of Holy Spirit, holiness, 
If I named him, you would immediately know who I'm speaking of. He was a dear friend. I asked him, could I come? Would you pray over me for the anointing of the Holy Spirit? I must have that anointing. He said, no, Ray, I can't do that for you because I don't have that full Pentecost anointing. You're going to simply have to walk in the anointing you have. That's what I've done all of my life. Well, I'm not content with the anointing I have. I have to have more. I have to have the fullness of what God desires to give for the salvation of the lost and the dying. That means that I have to pray through on this issue of receiving the Pentecost power of Jesus to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to bring salvation and life to God's people. I'm not going to lie about it and pretend I have something I don't have. I need that anointing power of the Holy Spirit and I am waiting on the Lord to bring that now. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. I have time for maybe one call, two at most. If you'd like to call, and you'd like to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I'll join you in praying for you for that fullness of the Holy Spirit. Or if you would like to pray for me for that fullness, then call and pray for me. I need your prayers. Don't call with some foolishness. Don't call with some reprimand telling me, Pastor, just be content with the anointing you have. Don't give me this foolishness, because if you do, I'll I'll just cut you off. I'm not interested. I know what the word says, and I'm standing by faith that I am receiving it now by faith in Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to call, you're welcome, 877-534-0780. You'll have to call very, very quickly. Now, while I'm waiting for a call, let me give you some information. I'd love to hear from you. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, our Sunday worship service is at the All Saints Anglican Church, and that church is located right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel. And the address for the All Saints Anglican Church is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. I also invite you to go to our webpage, revivalnow.church. Revivalnow.church. Every Monday night, we will hold a revival meeting as we wait and pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in power. Again, that web address, revivalnow.church. 
www.thebible.church. Mr. Producer, are there any phone calls? Okay. I know this is a difficult... It's a difficult place to call and, and ask for that prayer. It requires vulnerability. It requires a hunger in your heart that you must have more of Jesus. You must have his fullness. You must have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we don't see that today in our culture. In fact, I have not seen one man who has the fullness of Pentecost in my lifetime. I read about others who have, like John Wesley and others, the men, the men, the women who led the Argentine revival, many who led in the Kentucky revival, 1801. They had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Edwards had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In our day, we've not seen this. We've been much too shallow and much too casual. And drawn away by everything of the world, the flesh and the devil. Filled with a longing for those things which would numb our minds, like television and sports and movies and video games. All of, all of those things that numb the heart, that turn a man away from Jesus. These things have to be laid aside if you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So here we are. What are you going to do? Are you going to be definite and clear with the Lord? I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And it should be translated, believe that you are receiving it. Present tense. And it is yours. And I am believing right now in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me and believe the same for me and for yourself? And if there is darkness or sin in your heart, will you repent and turn aside from it quickly? Will you cut off? Will you stop sinning? Will you turn aside from the worldliness and the wickedness that so quickly attracts your mind? It means cutting it off. It means stopping. It means turning from it. If you're caught in some bondage of alcohol or tobacco or drugs, take a faith stand now and say in the name of Jesus, this drug addiction is removed from me, present tense. And you let Jesus have the supernatural power to take it from you. He will take it. And you pray that and you stand by faith until it is done. So it doesn't matter whether it's a, a job, a marriage. You stand by faith now. It is done. And you don't waver. Remember my father. He said, Ray, 
I'll give you what you ask for me, but you can only ask for one thing a week. I said, oh, that's awesome. And every time I ended up asking him for more things in that week. And so he would say, Ray, you just canceled what you asked me for. You need to focus on the one thing you want from me. Well, that's how Jesus operates. What is the one thing you need from Jesus today? Do you need a clean heart? Do you need to be pardoned for your sin? Do you need the healing of your body? Do you need revival? Do you need the fullness of Pentecost? Then stand by faith that it is done. Right now. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray this has been helpful to you today. And I, practice, I pray that you will begin now to practice what I've taught you that you will begin to put into effect these very things that I have talked about, that you will turn aside and cut off and leave all darkness and all sin and all questionable activities, that you will seek Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your being. I pray that you will do that now. Almighty God, I pray now for every person who is listening to this broadcast Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.